This is session five of the marriage and family and high value of the work course. Please ensure you have your notes and a pen ready as we now continue. Friends, who finds a wife, who finds a husband, finds a good thing? Don't chase the skirt, chase the heart. The heart is what is important. The skirt fades and it lengthens over time, and rightly so. <laughs> you marry someone's heart. Yeah. You marry the heart level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In Isaiah 4, verse 6, most of us will no doubt know the scripture very well. Jerry and God is speaking, says, My people perish through a lack of knowledge. And so until I have a lack of knowledge, what does that scripture say is going to happen to me? I'm going to perish. And I'm not going to walk in God's best. And my marriage is going to be tough. And when the marriage is tough, do you know what the result of that is? Parenthood is going to be very tough. So now we try and parent harder. But you make making matters worse when you parent harder. You take the step back and say, hang on, behavior is a fruit and indicator of a cause. Yeah. Most of the time. Most of the time, the way a child is behaving, there's a reason for it. So even my say if they're wetting their bed, there's a reason for it. So I might say, stop wetting your bed. Well, that night, if the night before, they wet the bed twice, so now wet it four times. Because behaving is the result of something. Yeah. You don't change things at the point of behavior. It's like a fruit tree. If you pull off the lemons, you've just pruned the tree. Yeah. There's more lemons next year. You've got to get to the root. Yeah. And so you deal with the lemon and you plant an orange if you want an orange fruit. And so behavior is something to be read more than it is to be something that's disciplined. There's a time for that as well. But that word is root is to be discipled in. Discipline in the mindset of most of us is get out the stick and beat them to a pulp. That's not what it means. There is the rod of correction, not the rod of abuse. The rod of correction. If you're going to discipline your child, you never do it when you're emotionally charged. You never do it out of anger and frustration. Because that will only exacerbate the problem. When you do so, everything you do is for someone and never against someone. Yeah. So if I discipline out of wrath, I'm doing it against my child because I want to watch the Springboks beat the Aussies. And you're in front of the team and you're frustrating me, bash, bash, bash. I did that for me, I didn't do that for him or her. So you discipline for, you disciple for, you correct for, and occasionally, if required, you even rebuke for the person, not against the person. It may feel by the person that it is against them, but actually it's for them. And if you come from a heart where you love people, most people will read, I'm doing this for you and not against you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a for you, not against you. Yeah. So my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. That knowledge has a twofold tail to it, if I can phrase it that way. It's knowing to the point of doing. So I may know how to work on a computer, the computer only gives me the value that it's designed to give me when I do it. 
So that knowledge is a knowing that becomes the experience of my life knowledge. So I get to know God's word, corresponding with action, called faith. I step out and I do the work. And as I walk in faith, the landscape of my life in that area starts to change, becomes colorful, it's like a butterfly, it starts to take off and fly. It's the word of God. You cannot change the status of your marriage and your own strength and your own ways and your own endeavors. You hurt, you bruise, you're frustrated, you're angry. You cannot minister to your spouse from that place. So initially step back, maybe show intent. Sweetie, I'll let the word of God administer here to me. I realize I'm behaving this way. The word of God doesn't come to make bad people good. It comes to make sick people well. And all of us in our hearts and our souls in some shape or form we sick. But the good news is the word of God is called a medicine. Reaches into the crevices of where those hurts are. And I know where I'm hurt by what I say. Because yeah. over the overflow of my heart, my mouth speaks. So if I'm forever short and brash and blunt and nasty and negative and bouncing off people and all that, yeah. hey, read that well. Don't be condemned by it. Read that well. Say, oh God, I realize something needs to be redressed. So I'm going to step back. I'm going to have some time with you, Lord. I'm going to put out the word, and if it's marriage, I'm going to go to every scripture in the Bible about marriage. Lord, I'm going to readdress and realign myself to your word, so that your word can release its intended outwork in my life of abundance and a blessing. Nothing from God, and especially in firstly marriage, because from there everything will be contaminated. Nothing from God is anything other than a blessing. I would say children are a heritage from the Lord. Yeah. Some people say, oh, to raise children. <laughs> That's my stance. You better go back to the foundation of God's word. Amen. I would say children are a blessing or a heritage from the Lord. Yeah. Some people say, it's impossible. I just cry like that. Because <laughs> you're doing it the way that seems right to you. Mm. So behavior, you read behavior most of the time. You don't discipline behavior. If you do, it's to discipline, to correct for you and not against you. That's how you do that. So let's look at John 1 verse 1. In the beginning, this is powerful. The marriage itself up to Genesis 1 verse 1 as well. Have I lost a bit of volume there? I think the mic is not Is that mic? So in Genesis 1 verse 1, and then when Jesus came in John 1 verse 1, the same precedent is made. So Genesis 1 verse 1, which is in your notes, it says, in the beginning, God. Jesus now comes to earth, and when he walks on the earth, John 1 verse 1 picks up on God's intention, which was Genesis 1 verse 1. So yeah, John 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was God, pointing to Jesus, but it's pointing to the Word. This is referred to as the Word. It's God's Word, it's God's speaking to us, it's God's heart, it's God's plan, it's God's intention, it's God's destination, it's the Word. So wisdom is this, in the beginning of any season in life, go to the Word. In the beginning was the Word. God, I feel you called me to pastor a church. I 
remain planting that church until I go to the Word. To be discipled in how to lead a church. Pastors, when we go down the road, I'll teach the difference between the calling and the sending. You never respond to the calling. The calling is God's advice or forward announcement of where He's taking your life. Now you start to get prepared for it. Jesus did that. He was discipled for 13 years before he started his ministry. I believe possibly the number one reason why 80% of churches close within five years. People are responding to the calling We have other motivations as to why they're planting the church. I'll use an example. Tyron, who's our eldest when he was five years old, went down the south coast to a place called, oh, the name escapes me, McDonald's Farm. McDonald's Farm has got these little go-karts for kids. So Tyron at that time, and he's done a classical, he rode his bicycle and all that, and I had a brain dead moment. So you get on this go-kart, this is petrol aspirant. It's got an accelerator. It's got brakes. It's got a steering wheel. Daddy, daddy, look at that. Put him on there. The guy gets in some basic instruction. That's if you want to go faster, son. That's if you want to stop. Gets in that thing, pushes the accelerator, knows nothing about the brake. Crashes into the hay bundles on the other side. I'm going to kill my son. You see, he was called to drive a motor car. He wasn't yet ready to drive the motor car. He used to drive the motor car when he's 18 or older. I put him in the motor car when he was five. We plant churches when we're five years old. God has called us, but we haven't got ready. So now we're going into this church so hard, it's so tough. The people this, the people that. Lord, what's going on? You told me to plant the church. Yes. He told you to get ready. He who finds a wife, he who finds a pastor, finds a good thing. So someone who's trained and equipped and disciple. Is it not deplorable that 80% of churches close within five years? Many of those pastors are no longer in the ministry at all. Many of them are divorced. Many of them are falling in sin. Many of their children, that's how you measure something. Many of their children say, I don't want to know the God of my father who is a pastor of this church. So the church, not intended by God, by my lack of understanding, has hurt my child where God's intention was to bless my child. When you're part of church, God never calls you to do anything at the cost of your marriage and family. Never. He calls you to everything to save your marriage and family first. And from there, you'll find true salvation in your church. Did we get that, Pastor? So if it took Jesus 30 years to start his ministry, who am I to think I can start in 30 days? <laughs> if it took Saul, Saul means bigger the estimation of self quantity inclined toward the fleshly nature or legalistically inclined. That's what the name Saul means. So God calls souls and he transitions them and only when they pause in Acts 13 do they lay hands on Paul and Barnabas and ordain them to death that God had called. Paul, who was Saul for 14 years, was in the desert getting ready to be prepared. He didn't get into the go-kart at five years old like my son did. He tried to do that in Acts 8 verse 9, and it's funny not. But he got prepared. Marriage in the beginning. Go to God's word. 
and especially friends, it's our second or third, whatever it might be, especially in the beginning, say, I'm not talking about the date. That'll come down the road. A premature date now means a divorce date quicker thereafter. We're not going there yet. We're coming to the world. Yeah. That's why I'm delighted that you're here today. Because the heart chose to present God's word. We lost the mic. Are we better there, guys? <clears throat> there. That's better. Maybe the volume up just a little bit. And so in the beginning was the word. And so when we go to Genesis chapter 1, which is in your notes, there's something very interesting in, 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 in verse number 1. It says this. Genesis 1 verse 1. It says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 1. But when you get to verse 2, there's a stark difference from God's creation in verse 1. Remember God was there in the beginning. There was nothing that precedes God. God used nothing that was before or represented history. He didn't make the earth from anything. The earth came out of his person. You know when God spoke, when you see that tree, that seed, that spore, that sperm came out of the person of Jesus. That's a product of God's spoken word. What does it tell you now? Your words create your destiny. I'm getting out of this marriage. I cannot stand this woman or this man any longer. I can't see this man is lasting. That is exactly what you're going to get. And you say, I told you so. No, you told yourself so. <laughs> and you got what you told yourself so. Your words plant seeds. Yeah. That's what I said earlier. The word divorce, scratch it out. Doesn't grow up your tongue, it's not in your dictionary, it's gone. Because you get what you speak. So if I can see every time I open my mouth, seeds are coming out. Seeds are coming out. They're going to produce what they can't. So people hate me because I say I hate you. So I planted seeds and it draws all of those people who have also planted the same seeds of hate. Now we hate each other. Plant seeds of love. I'll say if you want a friend, show yourself to be friendly. I'm showing myself to be unfriendly. What seed of a point? And so again, Genesis 1 verse 1, I think it's soft if we could uh, notice. And I'll go to verse chapter 2, uh, probably at the verse 2 of uh, chapter 1 in Genesis, and it says this. It says, Now the earth was without form, and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. So can you see that God had created something in verse 1? Whatever God creates is good. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but now in verse 2, it says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was in the face of the deep. That's not what God creates. What does it create? Darkness. So now I want to use this text as an example. Let's say verse 2 represents your or my marriage. There's darkness on the face of the deep, it's void. It's a picture of death that needs resuscitation. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now we've got this situation where people say there could be the gap theology, where something catastrophic happened. Some people say it's when Lucifer was thrown out of heaven when he hit the earth. It is a picture of Lucifer who's now Satan. Lucifer is not a bad name. Satan is. 
But when Lucifer hit because he rebelled, that description in verse 2 does describe Satan. So now, let's say the enemy, by my way of thinking, my culture, persuasion, the way this seemed right, I now represent in my marriage or my family, my parents towards my kids, there's darkness. Now this is what interests me. If the gap theory is truth, and I don't want to get stuck on that, friend, but let's, let's suppose prospectively it is true. <coughs> it may answer why people say there's fossilized life that goes into millions of years. There's dinosaur evidence and all that different thing. We know that the, the earth is 6,000 years old. I'm running ahead of myself, but from, from verse 3. From verse 3, we'll get to that now. But possibly, it could have been millions of years of pre prehistoric life. Or, Lucifer is now Satan being left on the earth. Lying there. But this is what interests me. Let's say that's for millions of years. It says up there when you read on, and the Spirit of God was hovering. There's the Spirit of God, let's say for 10 million years, hovering, doing absolutely nothing about the situation. The all-powerful Holy Spirit is hovering. In Luke 2, we talk about Mary, where the angel of the Lord was hovering or covering her. It's the same verb. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is hovering over Mary's womb. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is hovering over prospectively 10 million years of history, hovering, doing nothing about it, or disabled to do something about it. But then we go to verse 3, and then it says, and then God said, at that point in time, it's a picture of the Word of God. When you go to the Word of God, in the beginning was the Word. When you go to the Word, the Word of God, then and only then, the Holy Spirit brings about a conception that changes the product. So for as long as I don't do the Word of God, do you understand what God is saying? I'm hovering over you. I will change your marriage. I will change how you parent your kids. I will lead you to run, but your kids will land it in heaven. I'm hovering, I'm hovering, I'm hovering. But the only thing that releases me God. I bring conception to the spore of the Word of God. I germinate a seed. So it's also called water. So you put water on a seed and put it in fertile uh, 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 earth, nothing happens. So here with the Spirit of God hovering. So friends, over your marriage or mine, over your life, whatever it is, that depicts verse 2, know the Spirit of God is waiting to engage and go to work. He's hovering. And he's hovering. He's hovering. John Romans 1 says, In the beginning was the word. So, Lord God, in the beginning of the struggle, in the beginning when I'm about to get divorced, in any season of life, the only way I'm going to change this, Lord God, there is death in verse 2. But, Lord God, you said, if I go back to your word, it will engage the Holy Spirit. When he's engaged, because the Holy Spirit and the word always work together. Study any scripture. Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. So the sword is spirit. Yeah, it's the spirit with the sword. But until I say the word of God, I don't put the Holy Spirit to work. And so the powerful Holy Spirit is left latent, itching, chomping at the bit to say, if you go to the word of God, I can change your marriage. You don't feel like it. You may even have feelings of hate towards your spouse. I will take that hard heart to make it a, 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 a heart of flesh. Trust me, you can't do it yourself, but trust me. Go to the Word of God. The promise is to your children's children and to a thousand generations. Rather than you go back in the grave, 
with no legacy. So trust the word of God. Know the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm here. I'm waiting here. Draw me to the word, by the word. When I receive the word, I say, I'm going to appropriate God's word by faith. I'm going to be that as a husband. I'm going to be that as a wife. Because we talk about a husband and wife in a while. And it's going to be counterculture. It's going to be counterculture. But if we say, you know what, I know the Spirit of God is waiting. He's hovering. I'm going to go to the Word of God. The minute you say yes to the Word of God, you must know a conception is taking place. Something new is being rebirthed. And you're going to get a 30, 60, 100 fold return when you receive God's Word. We thank you for listening to this teaching and trust it was a blessing to you. Please go to the next teaching in this series year after. Should you wish to reach out to ourselves, or should you have any questions, please mail us on marriage at foryourgood.net. Should you want to know more about For Your Good Ministries, please visit our website www.foryourgood.net. God bless as you enjoy the next session on marriage and family and the high value of God's work.